Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Recorded live.
and D&D. &D. And, of course, I'll be bringing you some news courtesy of 411 Mania, our friends at 411 Mania. And then, of course, uh, so J.D. and I, of course, get you, get you updated with everything going on in the pop culture scene. We'll definitely get J.D. in the hot seat here tonight for the <clears throat> uh, hot seat movie trivia challenge, as always. However, if you want to chime in here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and, and uh, give your thoughts and opinions on what everything we talk about here tonight on Outside the Ropes, number 73, please feel free to give us a call here, 1-724-444-7444, call ID 141387 pound And by all means, ladies and gentlemen, please press that one if you want to chime in on anything that we do have to discuss here, uh, here on Outside the Ropes, 73, this evening. Let's go ahead and get right on into it here, of course, with 411 Mania. Let's, let's see what stores are making the rounds here right now here uh, for today. Uh, uh, coming from, uh, of course, our, like I said, our friends at 411 Mania, uh, Joseph Lee brings us this story right here uh, today. As Roy Price quits position as Amazon Studios president over a sexual harassment claim. Let's see what this story here is all about. Uh, in the midst of the ongoing Harvey Weinstein scandal, it was reported by 411 Mania last week that Amazon Studios president Roy Price was accused of sexual harassment by a producer of the movie The Man in the High Castle. Price was suspended from his job, and now the Huffington Post reports that Price has resigned from his position. Albert Ching, who became interim president last week, will remain in that role with Price now gone. A spokeswoman for Amazon Studios confirmed Price's departure but added there is no statement at this time. Producer Isa Hackett, the victim of, of Roy Price, initially told The Hollywood Reporter when the story broke, says this, and I quote, as somebody with some power, I feel that it is imperative for me to speak, to speak out. I want to call out Price's behavior and also hold myself to a certain standard. Hackett claimed that Price told her she would love his, we'll just say member, ooh, and also whispered the words anal sex into her ear at one point. Hackett refused him on the grounds that she's gay, married, and has kids. She claimed she reported to the Amazon executives immediately after it happened in 2015 when she was promoting her series at the San Diego Comic Con. However, the story was made public in August when the information reported on Amazon's investigation into the incident. Amazon didn't suspend Price until Hackett came forward to accuse him publicly. After his suspension, Amazon canceled an event they had planned to promote their new shows. Uh, JD's like apparently Amazon's getting a little bit uh, hurt here by, of course, all this stemming from this sexual harassment situation. Well, you got the Harvey Weinstein scandal hanging over your head, however, and it looks like a lot of other things are going on, too, however, and now this comes out, however, and talking about Amazon, I know they've been talking about uh, expanding their thing, however, and some of the cities they're looking at, however, to get, I guess, a new, uh, I don't know if it's a new building or a new uh, factory or whatever it is, uh, some of the people they're talking about that they might have uh, a couple locations uh, include uh, possibly Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, but this is just an embarrassment for them. Excuse me, the Amazon to deal with right now. Yes, indeed. And uh, how will it affect Amazon? It's going to be kind of hard to say, but uh, um, we're just going to have to 
we're just going to have to wait and see, of course, as I said, them not taking part in any, have canceled all their uh, events and everything because of this situation. So uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens with this here as time uh, moves forward. Uh, another story here coming up here from Joseph Lee at 411 Mania. As Michaela Maroney accuses Olympic Team USA doctor of drugging and molesting her. Ooh, okay. Uh, let's, listen, I mean, let's listen in on this. Former U.S. Olympic gymnast Michaela Maroney has added her name to the list of women who have been sexually abused by those in, by those in position of authority. In her case, she claims it was the doctor for the U.S. women's gymnastics team and Olympic team. TMZ reports that she claims that Dr. Larry Massar, I guess that's how I can pronounce it, molested her several times starting when she was only 13, calling it, in quotation marks, treatment. Oh, gee. Uh, <laughs> Maroney, now 21, said, said the following. Dr. Maroney, I mean, Dr. Massar, told me I was receiving medically necessary treatment that he had been performing on patients for over 30 years. It started when I was 13 years old at one of my first national team training camps in Texas, and it didn't end until I left the sport. It seemed whenever or wherever this man could find a chance, I was, quotation marks, treated. It happened in London before my team and I won the gold medal, and it happened before I won my silver. She said that Nassar gave her a sleeping pill during a flight to Tokyo when she was 15. And, then, and she goes on to say, and the next thing I know, I was all alone with him in his hotel room getting a treatment. I thought I was going to die that night. Huh. Oh, there's a little bit more here. She's one of several women accusing Nassar of assault. In all, 125 accusers, apparently. The accusers include former gymnast and have filed lawsuits against him. The SAR claims the procedures in which he treated women intravaginally, I guess, were medically appropriate, in quotation marks. All right, J.D., um, now, now to me this sounds kind of fishy if they claim that something of this nature was, was, was supposed to be some sort of treatment. I, that right there is too high. It, it too does sound place. fishy, and something doesn't sound right here. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to the bottom of the investigation and they'll find more in this hour. Maybe they won't find any more, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I mean who would go against 125 women accusing of, of, if you were accused by that many women of doing something of that nature? I mean, it's hard. I'm sure you would even agree that it's kind of hard to kind of fight fight the facts here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean you got that many I mean, think about it. If 125 people saw you commit a crime, Who's going, to, who, who's going to end up being the liar here, you or 125 people? I mean, that's kind of hard to say. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Of course, obviously, it'd be kind of hard to really fight that uh, uh, situation there. But anyway, it does sound far-fetched, and I'm hoping that this guy, my personal opinion, I think gets what he deserves, in my personal opinion. Oh, I agree. I think he will. And to tell you about the Amazon thing real quick, to tell you about what I found the location of Amazon's next headquarters is one of the hottest topics of discussion right now. It says, back in September, the company said it was looking for a new city to house its second quarter, dubbed HQ2, and that it would be seeking proposals from cities by October 19, however. Reuters reported on the day of the announcement that Dallas, Houston, Toronto, St. Louis, Kentucky, and Miami were committed to make bids. 
cities including Philadelphia and Chicago have sent delegations to Seattle to the location of the current headquarters to find out more about what the company needs. While states like New Jersey have held internal bidding process to determine which they can get the state's official backing for an application to house Amazon's next quarters, Bloomberg View columnist Connor Sen argued that Toronto, Boston, Washington, Atlanta, Dallas, and Denver are the cities that best meet Amazon's criteria. And Axos, A-X-I-O-S, outlined why Denver, Chicago, Phoenix, Minneapolis, and Detroit are the best candidates for Amazon's new home. In a new analysis published last Thursday, Moody's Economics, Mark Zandi, Z-A-N-D-I, and Adam Ozimek, O-Z-I-M-E-K, found that Austin, Texas, and Philadelphia meets the Austin Amazon size for its new HQ best, with Atlanta, Pittsburgh, and Rochester, New York not far behind. I even heard some rumors that there was a spot in North Carolina that they were also considering. I think it was Charlotte or Raleigh. Yeah, I heard something about that too. Yeah, but I think it was taken off the list. So, but I mean, that would have been interesting to see that. I mean, I did hear that they were still thinking about maybe putting something. I think uh, it wasn't Amazon. I think I also heard something about. Uh, I could be wrong about this, but I thought I heard something about maybe Google, but I could be wrong about that. So I mean. But it was a, it was an online thing I know of that I had heard. So, uh, but uh, um, another story here coming up here from Jeremy from uh, Jeremy Thomas that came out yesterday. But uh, we'll we'll read this off here. Liam Cunningham didn't notice Game of Thrones Easter egg that paid off last Easter. Last see last season last last sister. Oh, cool. man! I, boy, I think that's when you whenever uh, you see a word, you think it's one that's but not. You know, Anyway, here's the story right here. Liam Cunningham was part of a Game of Thrones Easter egg that he didn't realize until last season. Cunningham, who plays Davos on the HBO series, spoke with Huffington Post about a moment that fans recently realized. That moment refers to back to in Season 3 when Shireen began teaching Davos to read. The first word he learned was Aegon, as best I can pronounce it, specifically, the, specifically Aegon the Conqueror. Of course, Aegon is also the, is also the name <clears throat> um, is also the name if his king, who was played by Jon Snow, who we learned during season seven was named Aegon at birth by his mother Lyanna Stark. Speaking with the site, Cunningham says this: Yeah, they're they, yeah they're very good at that sort of thing. David Benioff and Dan Weiss plant little Easter eggs there if you want if you if you want to see them. Uh, let's see here. He added that, that he had no idea the scene would be so instrumental at the time, saying, no, are you kidding me? I don't know what the hell is going to happen from one episode to the next. That's a testament to how good the writing is on that as well. After seven seasons, people are still asking the same question they asked in season one. Who do you think is going to end up on the throne? And of course, I have several pictures right here showing this. Right here, that was posted on uh, Reddit.com. Right here, some uh, uh, so uh, interesting here, JD. About have you ever watched Game of? Have you ever watched? Uh, no, a, uh, I have not watched Game of Thrones. Uh, but it's kind of interesting how I they know people who have that one, and yes, it is very interesting. So, but other than that, I mean, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty interesting there, indeed. Uh, I'll bring you one more story here, then I'll bring you a couple little. Wrestling tidbits here, of course, as we as we as we have started doing here on outside the ropes, and then of course I will turn over to the Ice Man as he has a whole lot of stuff to talk about here, of course. Uh, 
Well, apparently, uh, oh, well, there's two more I'll bring, actually, before we do any wrestling tidbits here. Speaking of, speaking of, of course, we, of course, we talked about sexual harassment here just a few minutes ago. I'm sure, J.D., you've heard of this actress here. Story is brought by Joseph Lee of Four Eleven Mania yesterday. America Ferreira. Yes, you've heard uh, of her. she was uh, in that one TV show a while back. Uh, I think it was Ugly. Was she Betty. Ugly Betty? Ugly, yeah, she was Ugly Betty. Yeah. Well, it was Ugly Betty, and that's what that. And also, what was that movie, The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, or something? Yes, she was in that. Oh, that's what I thought. Okay. Along with that girl from Gilmore Girls, I can't think of her name. Right uh, Alexis Bedell. That's it. I think that's right. And. Blake Lively, I think, was in it, too. Yeah, uh, anyway. I know it's been uh, in the news yeah. quite a bit, too. Right, but I never saw them. I just remember seeing the. Anyway, apparently a story came out yesterday saying that America Ferreira reveals that she was sexually assaulted at the age of nine. Jeez. Oh, let me, let me, let me, let's, let me let, let, let's read this, and like I said, J.D., I'll get your, I'll get your, I'll get your take on this. After the news broke of Harvey Weinstein being accused of sexually harassing or assaulting a plethora of women in Hollywood, a lot of people have come forward with their own tales of sexual assault. In addition to actors and actresses revealing their stories, a new hashtag on social media, hashtag MeTooTOO, has women revealing they too have been the victims of harassment, assault, or outright, outright rape. Wow, that's, that's a mouthful. America Ferreira, former star of Ugly Betty, reveals that she was assaulted at the age of nine. In a post of in, on Instagram, she wrote this. She says, me too. First time I can remember being sexually assaulted, I was nine years old. I told no one and lived with the shame and guilt of thinking all along that I, a nine-year-old child, was somehow responsible for the actions of a grown man. I had to see this man on a daily basis for years to come. He would smile at me and wave, and I would hurry past him. My blood running cold, my guts carrying the burden of, of what only he and I knew, that he expected me to shut my mouth and smile back. Ladies, let's break the silence so the next generation of girls won't have to live with this BS. Let's see if there's anything, see, see if there's anything else here with this. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I, heard there was, there was a, I think there was a picture of her doing this hashtag me too, but that's pretty much all that is right there. I mean, Kevin Ford here, I mean, it takes guts here, J.D., but out of all those, I mean, someone you would never, of course, obviously a lot of them you would never expect, but yeah, America Ferreira. Yeah, that's a, really, a, lot has, a lot is coming out more and more. Yes. I mean, that's, it's sad to, it's sad to see all of them, you know, when all, I mean, of course, also the Bill Cosby thing, well, you would also have to think about it too. I mean, but uh, still, that's a uh, that's still sad to see, though. Still, still sad to see. Uh, also, one more quick story coming from Ashish. Apparently, apparently, this is one of their new guys, I guess, at Four Eleven Mania. Is reporting that they have a net, they announced this yesterday of the official title for the new upcoming Han Solo movie. And obviously, this is actually something I was kind of thinking that they would call this. It took them this long to probably figure this out. Solo, a Star Wars story, has been announced as the official title for the new Han Solo movie. Solo, a Star Wars story, has been announced as the official title for the upcoming Han Solo movie on Facebook. Director Ron Howard made the announcement in a Facebook video, which which actually the video is 
is is actually uh, and I'll play it here in a minute and let you hear Ron Howard tell 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 him uh, tell you himself here. The movie will focus on Han Solo's early days, well before the events, of course, of the first Star Wars called A New Hope. Howard has alluded to the film featuring locations like Corellia, Solo's home planet, and Kessel, where he made the Kessel Run. Not much else is known about the story. Like last year's Rogue One, this will be a standalone film with a self-contained story. And the movie is due out on May 25th of next year. And let's play what let's let's play this and let's hear here what Ron Howard had to say right here. Yeah, be very interesting to see what they do next. Tomorrow. Yeah. Let me see here. If, well, wait a minute. Uh, I'm not getting the. I'm sorry. I'm not getting any. He's not. They're not playing any sound on this apparently. So. But uh, it's quite interesting to hear about what he ha- would have to say. But the video is on that page where the story is. If you want to um, go back and look at, it. not bad, JD here. Uh, I mean, I would have figured they would have called it something like that, obviously. But I mean, they just waited this long to finally reveal it. I guess. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, however. But like I said, however, I mean, is it going to be a success? Will it be a success, however? As we've heard a lot of talk, I mean, like I said, we've got the newer one coming out here, what, in just literally six weeks now. I mean, I think it is. And then the other one's supposed to come out next year or possibly in two years, maybe three years. We'll have to wait and see. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have heard, I've heard about that. I've heard about that. Here is a couple. I've got, I also have got a couple of wrestling tidbits where we get to J.D. with his, with, 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 with his news, which he's got. I'm sure he has quite a bit to talk about. But let's bring up a couple of quick wrestling tidbits here. Uh, from the wrestling world here, coming from Jeremy Thomas here today. Bill After actually shares a video of an unseen promo involving China. Hmm. Let's let's hear what this says right here. Corn White said Jeremy Thomas posted here today. Wrestling journalist Bill After has shared a pre- previously unseen video of China cutting a promo be- between his wrestling and boxing magazine departments. The video is right down here. The video is on this same page as this story. After said that the promo was playing off the rivalry between the two departments of the magazine that he worked for. After says this, back in the magazine days, the wrestling department had a rivalry with the boxing magazine editors. After wrote, yes, it was all for fun, a total quotation marks work. The boxing faction was led by Eric Roundhouse Raskin, while Wonderful Willie, my my wrestling character, ruled our side of the office. Many times I would take the gold belt. I was the cow or championship office wrestling title holder out to the world of pro wrestling. Here's one of those memorable times when I needed a corner person for my next title defense, and that was my dear friend, and he says in parentheses, I miss her very much, Joni China Lar. It was back in her in her days with DX, believe it or not. Um, China, of course, passed away in April last year at the age of 45. Her cause of death was ruled to be an overdose of alcohol combined with the anxiety drugs, diazepam, norzepam, painkillers, oxycodone and oxymorphone, and sleeping aid, tenzepam. That's what I can pronounce it. I'm not good with... um, 
and the, I've actually seen this video on YouTube, as a matter of fact. Uh, um, let me see if I can probably try to play it a little bit. Of Budget of thirty-five million in five weeks has made over thirty hundred and five point two million, which is incredible. 
My Little Pony, the movie, debuted in fourth with $8.8 million, however. And, of course, uh, on a budget of $104 million in three weeks, however, it has made already $80.5 million. Kingsman, the Golden Circle, did challenge, however, with $8.6 million. Now, that was two weeks ago. Now, this week, however, here are your movies this week. Happy Death Day did on a budget of $4.8 million, $26 million in its opening week. Blade Runner slipped test spot, however, with $15.4 million, despite the fact it has made $60 million so far on a budget of $150 million in the last couple weeks. The Foreigner, however, on a budget of $35 million, debuted number three with $13.1 million. It dropped two spots, a spot from third to fourth, however, continues to do well. Now has made over $315 million in six weeks' time. It finished fourth this week with $6 million. The Mountain Between Us, however, dropped three spots, however, it was a big drop this week as it made $5.7 million and has made $20.6 million so far, or $20.5 million, if around $20.5 million, just a little shy of $21 million. So there you go, folks. Those were the movies, however, if you will, however, from this past week. Now, movies coming out this week include Jeff Bridges, Jennifer Connelly, in the true story of the Brandon Mountain Hotshot Tower called Only the Brave. For you horror fans, however, the Teenage Years of Leatherface returns with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre trilogy of this type movie. Meanwhile, Geostorm, a sci-fi movie, will be definitely one to keep an eye on this week, however, with Andy Garcia, however, as I see, and Ed Harris, however. And for you funny guys, however, Boo 2, a Medea Halloween, however, as Tyler Perry reprises his role as the lovable matriarch, returns to theaters everywhere. So, folks, definitely some good movies to watch this week. Meanwhile, however, to the sports we go, however, and here's what we got for you. The New York Yankees, however, are playing the host to the uh, Houston Astros, and after the Yankees won 8-1 to Monday night, in which CC Sabathia struck out four and gave up three hits in six innings of work, Charlie Morton had a rough night himself in game number three, as he gave up seven runs, struck out three, walking two in three and a third innings, however, through 72 pitches, while Sabathia threw 99. 45 of them were for strikes for Morton, while 64 of them but the story on this night, however, was Aaron Judge, however, brought the bats, however, into play, however, as he went 1-3 on this night, driving in three, however, mind you. Todd Frazier went 1-2, driving the other three, as the Yankees got their first win in the series and cut the series back to within a game at 2-1, however, as they won Monday night. Then last night, ladies and gentlemen, things heated up even more, however, going into game four, however, and here is what we can tell you about what happened last night in Game 4. The Astros were up 4 nothing at one point, however, mind you, as they had things, it looked like, in control. But the Yankees once again showed that they never give up the ship, however, whatsoever, and showed last night, however, that they are definitely a fighting team without question and tied up the series at 2-2, however, as they came back to win 6-4 to last night. Aaron Judge again was the hero, however, for the second straight night, as Sonny Gray, however, struck out four, giving up two runs while, or walking two, excuse me, while giving up, however, I'm just trying to see here, so bear with me here, folks. Um, I do know he got the win, however, but I do know that, uh, oh, here we go, I got it. I just had it, here we go, okay. I, I just had it, sorry, folks. Did become the hero of last night's game, however, despite the fact, however, he did not last past the fifth inning, of course, We'll tell you how he fared last night, however, against Lance McCullers Jr. McCullers, of course, struck out three, however, walking two, however, and giving up one run and two hits in six innings, 
but it was Ken Giles' power, three hits and two runs in a third of inning that cost the Astros a chance to get a 3-1 series lead in this. While Gray, of course, as we mentioned, gave up one run, however, and one hit, earned run in two hit runs overall, one earned, however, in five-plus innings. For the Yankees, however, Chad Green, however, went two innings solid, however, giving up a hit and a run while striking out two to tie up the series, however. And right now we can tell you, however, tonight, however, they are going on with Game 5 as we speak tonight, however, ladies and gentlemen. And right now, the last we heard, however, it is the Yankees leading once again, however, as uh, tonight, however, let's see, we can tell you right now, however, quick also, however, last night, however, mind you, that last night, however, the Chicago Cubs came within a game of uh, wrapping up the series against the uh, Chicago Cubs. Of course, Hugh Darvish last night helped the uh, Cubs win, excuse me, the L.A. Dodgers win, and close it out within a game of wrapping up the series, however, as last night they won 6-1. to Of course, Kyle Hendricks struck out five and gave up three earned runs, however, in five-plus innings and four runs overall, while Darvish struck out seven and one run on six hits, however, Struck out seven, walking one, and throwing 81 pitches. Hendricks, of course, threw 82, 54 of them for strikes. Darvish, 59, for L.A., threw them for strikes. For you NBA hoop fans, meanwhile, it was a tough night all around, however, as we had two exciting games, however, in the NBA. The first of which, the Houston Rockets beat the Golden State Warriors in a thriller at Golden State at the Oracle Center. The Warriors got their NBA rings last night, but in the end, Howard came up one point short, however, 122 to 121. Kevin Durant thought he had the game winner with no time left on the clock, but it was waved off as the referee said after the buzzer hit, however, the shot apparently that he thought he had the game-winning points in, however, was no good. But the real story, obviously, was what happened up in Cleveland, meanwhile. The Boston Celtics, however, took on LeBron James and, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kyrie Irving, facing his old team for the first time since the trade earlier this summer, however, did not get a very hearty reception from the Cleveland faithful, but LeBron James did have a big night, however, to lead the Cavaliers. However, Gordon Hayward, however, blew out his leg five minutes into the game, however, we understand, when he was going up for a rebound very early in the contest in the first few minutes of the game, and as a result, injured his leg very severely. And let's just say, if you remember what happened a few years ago, with Kevin Ware at the University of Louisville, his leg, however, and how he came down on it during an NCAA basketball tournament game against the Duke Blue Devils. Very similar thing, however. Now, earlier today, however, uh, we understand Hayward got his leg looked over, however, and it was found out that he did indeed tear, however, some ligaments as well as he broke his tibia, however, and now will be out possibly anywhere between four to six months. So our thoughts and prayers are definitely with Gordon Hayward tonight, however, as the NBA community both past and current players, as well as all the announcers sending out get well tweets and wishes from Mr. Hayward, however, after signing that big mega contract earlier this summer that he signed with the Celtics. But again, if you did not see the injury, however, let's just say uh, if you get a chance to watch it, it's a little graphic. It's not quite graphic, but it is, let's just say, a little squeamish, if you will. Now, speaking of Louisville, however, Rick Pitino, the former Louisville Cardinals coach who was fired just a few weeks ago, however, will be the guest tonight on SportsCenter at midnight, however, as Scott Van Pelt will have a chance to interview the former Kentucky Wildcat and Louisville coach who was just fired two weeks ago from his job at Louisville. So be sure to check that out. Also tonight, we got the Philadelphia 76ers and the Washington Wizards playing here in just a few minutes on ESPN in the first of two games. The other game tonight will be the San Antonio Spurs taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves in the nightcap. Now, 
For you football fans, Howard, we got a big week ahead of you, Howard, and here's what we got on tap. Thursday night, it will be the KC, however, Chiefs taking on the Oakland Raiders, Howard, despite the fact that the, the bonfires are continuing to get out of control in Northern California. They will be playing at the OCO Coliseum tomorrow night, Howard, as far as the Thursday night game goes, despite the fact there were some questions about it originally earlier in the week. This Sunday, meanwhile, will be a rematch from the Super Bowl earlier this year when Tom Brady and New England travels to their home base, Howard, taking on Atlanta, Howard, who has lost two in a row as Matty Ice and company will be coming out of Georgia to head up north to Boston to play New England. And on Monday Night Football, this coming Monday, it should be a dandy when the Washington Redskins, our own human suplex machine's uh, hometown team, Howard, will be at home. Or I believe they will be traveling up the road, if you will, to our good friend Big Diesel, Gregory Kramer's hometown, if you will, Philadelphia, to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, that will be coming up this Monday at Lincoln Financial Field as far as the Monday Night game goes there. View college fans, however, we got some good games also this week, including USC and Notre Dame and Penn State and Michigan. Both of those games will be prime time on Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. at Penn State's uh, Beaver Stadium and at South Bend in Notre Dame. So, folks, definitely we got a great week ahead of you in more ways than one. Uh, let's see, some other news to report, however. Uh, of course, as we mentioned, of course, um, those are a couple of the games we did mention. Uh, let's see if we have any other news to report. Uh, oh, yes, we did hear earlier today, speaking of the NFL, how earlier today it was announced by Ian Rappaport that next year, however, or should I say this coming year in April, the NFL draft will be held at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. After hosting in Philadelphia last year, however, this past year, however, the NFL announced that this year's 2018 draft will be held in the land of Jerry Jones, if you will, down there in the Lone Star State in Big D this coming next spring. Oh. Oh, wow, cool. Uh, sorry for that delay there, folks. J.D., thank you very much. Uh, anything else you wish to report, sir? I'll try to find some more, but right now I think we're good right now. Okay, thank you very much there, sir. 1724-444-7444. Call ID 141-387-POUND. This is episode 73 of WWS Outside the Ropes, of course, for <clears throat> Wednesday. October 18, 2017. Uh, Mr. WWS, Chad Hinshaw, and the Iceman, J.D. Jerry Geraldo here with you, bringing you, of course, uh, <coughs> bringing you, the, uh, of course, uh, the, all the news from around the pop culture scene. <coughs> Let's see here. Uh, hmm, can I find it interesting for you, J.D.? Well, I'm sure you're getting your fireproof suit all ready to go. Uh, see, I keep picking some of the, the obvious ones here. Uh, no, I did that one. I may have swept through a lot of these already. And just to give you a quick uh, update on wrestling, real quick, folks, for you guys watching NXT tonight, here are your matches you will see tonight. It will be Ember Moon taking on Sonya Deville and Ruby Riot, Cassius Oner against Cesar Barz Bononi, 
Alistair Black against Raul Mendoza, and Sanity to take on the team of Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. Oh, okay. Got some good matches tonight. Mm. Now, wrestling ladies and gentlemen, just a quick reminder, and I'll get this out too, that this Sunday we will have a very special TLC edition of the Revolution Show. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, seven matches so far lined up here from what, to, my, to my last count, according to the Wikipedia page. And there's some interesting ones here to talk about here. And, of course, tomorrow night on Wolfpack, I do believe the Raw Radio broadcast team will be bringing us their predictions for these matches that we have so far. But, of course, that doesn't mean that at some point they may, it may, there may be one or two more added. So we never know here, folks. Uh, so we'll talk more about that here, of course, coming up on Revolution here, coming up here. Uh, in about uh, less than two hours. <clears throat> in the meantime, I, I think JD's got a suit right on, ready to go here. Of course, like I said, courtesy of uh, polls.amctv.com, of course, the film site here for the Super Movie Quiz. And we got one here, JD, with 23 questions on. Let's see how we, let's see how you do here tonight here, JD. Are you primed and ready to go? Ready. Let's go. Okay, first question. What movie won the first Oscar for the new category of Best Animated Feature Film. Was it The Incredibles from 04, Shrek from, 0, uh, from 01, Toy Story from 95, or Wall-E from 08? I'm going to say Toy Story 95. Toy Story, the answer is actually Shrek, believe it or not. Beat out, I think, I think the, the other three were all other were uh, Disney movies, I'm not mistaken, but Shrek beat all of them out. Is the first animated feature movie to win the Oscar in this category, which was established in 01. It defeated Monsters, Inc. and Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. The next three winners were Spirited Away from 02, Finding Nemo 03, and The Incredibles eventually won it, but not until 04. Huh. Well, I can't believe a non-Disney movie won the first animated Oscar. That was shocking. Mm-mm. <coughs> All right, J.D., we're going to go back a little way. Let's see if we can test your knowledge on this. Question number two. In which movie does a dying gangster say the following? Mother of Mercy, is this the end of Rico? Was it Public Enemy, 1931? Scarface, The Shame of a Nation, 32? G-Man, 35? Or Little Caesar from 1930? Little Caesar. Little Caesar. Okay, and the answer is... And you are correct, sir. It was the fat little Caesar. As defiant gangster Enrico Rico Bandello, Edward G. Robinson moaned his final words in a memorable death scene after a shootout with police in Little Caesar from 1930. Very good, J.D. Wow. Long, long time ago. Question number three. I mean, question, yeah, question number three. What was the first movie in Academy history to win three acting Oscars? Was it Mrs. Minerva, Minerva, I guess, from 1942, I'm Here to Eternity from 53, Network from 76, or Streetcar Named Desire from 51? Streetcar of Desire. Okay. answer is absolutely right. Vivian Lee, Carl Malden, and Kim Hunter all won Oscars for their performances in A Streetcar Named Desire from 1951. Though Marlon Brando, who plays the lead, Lost Best Actor to Humphrey Bogart for the African Queen that year. The only other movie to win three acting Oscars was Network, believe it or not, in 1976. 
Hmm. Question number four. Holly Hunter won her sole Best Actress Oscar for which movie? Broadcast News from 87, The Firm from 93, The Piano from 93, or 13 from 2003? I'm going to say it was uh, uh, Broadcast News of 87. Broadcast News? Actually, The Piano from 93. Holly Hunter has had four Oscar nominations, two, one for The Firm, and 13 were for Best Supporting Actress. The other two, Broadcast News 87 and The Piano 93, were for Best Actress. The Piano was her sole win. In 1993, she was simultaneously nominated in the lead and supporting acting categories. Wow, that is, a, that is unique right there, indeed. Question number five. What was Alfred Hitchcock's last movie? Was it Family Plot from 76, Frenzy from 72, Topaz from 69, or Torn Curtain from 66? Family Plot, 76. Family Plot. The answer is... Absolutely right. The last movie Hitchcock directed was Family Plot in 76. Hitchcock's three previous films were Frenzy, Topaz, and Torn Curtain. So he directed all of them, but Family Plot was the very last one he ever did. <coughs> Question number six. Who is the only other actress other than Grace Kelly to star in three Hitchcock-directed movies? Was it Ingrid Bergman, Joan Fontaine, Madeline Carroll, or Tippi Hedren? What was the question again? I heard Tippi Hedren, Joan Fontaine, and the two others. But what was the uh, thing again? You need, you need the whole thing yeah, read? Yeah. Okay. The question is, who is the only other actress other than Grace Kelly to star in three Hitchcock-directed movies? Okay. I'm and of course, it's... You said Tippi Hedren. Okay, the answer is... Actually, it was Ingrid Bergman, believe it or not. Huh. Starred in three Hitchcock films, Spellbound 45, Notorious 46, and Under Capricorn 1949. Grace Kelly starred in Dial, Dial M for Murder from 54, Rear Window also from 54, and To Catch a Thief from 55. Tippi Hedren only starred in two films, which was The Birds from 1963, and Marnie from 64. So did jo- Joan Fontaine, which was Rebecca, 1940, and Suspicion, 1941. And Mad- Madeline Carroll starred in two as well, The 39 Steps from 35 and Secret Agent from 1936. Many actresses only appeared in one movie, including Janet Leigh, Doris Day, Marlena Dietrich, Suzanne Pochette, Lorraine Day, Eva Marie Saint, Julie Andrews, and Kim Novak. That's a mouthful. Question number seven. Who is the first African-American actor to win an Oscar for Best Actor? Was it Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, James Earl Jones, or Sidney Poitier? Sidney Poitier. Sidney Poitier, the answer is absolutely right. Poitier won for Lilies of the Field from 1963, his second nomination and only Oscar win during his career. In 2002, the same year Poitier won an honorary Oscar award, Denzel Washington was named Best Actor for his role in Training Day from 01, making him the first African-American male winner in the category since Sidney Poitier, believe it or not. Hmm. Question number eight. Which Best Picture winning movie is the only one to receive five Oscar nominations for its acting performances and 
lost in every single instance. Was it All About Eve, 1950, Peyton Place, 1957, Tom Jones from 1963, or The Godfather Part Two from 1974? Peyton Place, 57. Peyton Place, answer is, actually it was Tom Jones. Best Picture winning Tom Jones of 1963 lost all five of its Oscar nominations for acting performances. Peyton Place, also had five acting-related Oscar nominations and lost all of them, but it also lost Best Picture. Other Best Pictures with five acting nominations and one acting-related Oscar include All About Eve and The Godfather Part Two. Those with five acting nominations and two acting-related Oscars include Mrs. Minerva from 1942, From Here to Eternity, 1953, and All on the Waterfront from 1954. Man, that's some big, big, big words. <coughs> Excuse me. Question number nine. Which movie can be identified with the following tagline? This is Benjamin. He's a little worried about his future. Was it Ben from 1972, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button from 08, The Graduate from 1967, or My Life as a Dog from 1987? Sorry, repeat the question again. Which movie can be identified with this tagline? This is Benjamin. He's a little worried about his future. Okay. You said Benjamin Mumbles twice, and there are a couple others. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. You said Benjamin Mumbles one twice, but what were the others again? Ben from 72, The Graduate from 67, or My Life as a Dog from 87. I'm going to say Benjamin Button. Benjamin Button, the answer is? Actually, it was The Graduate, believe it or not. The tagline from The Graduate of 1967 refers to Benjamin Braddock, who was played by Dustin Hoffman, a recent and aimless college grad who experiences a difficult coming of age in the movie. We all remember what happened in that movie. <laughs> uh, let's, let's see here. Uh, and forgive me here for a minute. Peter's acting a little bit slow here, so... Excuse the way there, ladies and gentlemen. We're just having a little bit of uh... <coughs> Okay, question number 10. Who is the only actor to be nominated four consecutive times for Best Actor? Was it Al Pacino, Gregory Peck, Jack Nicholson, or Marlon Brando? I'm going to say Jack Nicholson. I'm going to say Jack Nicholson. The answer is... Actually, Marlon Brando was nominated for Best Actor four consecutive times for Streetcar Named Desire from 51, Viva Zapata from 52, Julius Caesar 53, 
and On the Waterfront from 54. Those were three consecutive nominations for Best Actor include Spencer Tracy between 36 and 38, Gary Cooper between 41 and 43, Gregory Peck between 45 and 47, Richard Burton from 64 to 66, Jack Nicholson from 73 to 75, Al Pacino also 73 to 75, William Hurt 85 to 87, and Russell Crowe between 99 and 2001. Question number 11. What is the first foreign-made film to be presented with the Oscar for Best Picture? Was it Children of Paradise, a.k.a. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It's in French, I think. Children of Paradise in 1945, Aguirre, The Wrath of God from 72, Hamlet from 48, or La Dolce Vita from 1960? La Dolce Vita. You do The answer is, actually, it was Hamlet from 48. It's both the first British production and first foreign-made movie to be presented with the industry's top honor, Best Picture. It is the only movie adapted from one of William Shakespeare's plays to win Best Picture. Question number 12. What is the longest movie in its, that's in, in, its original, in its original running time to win Best Picture? Was it Ben-Hur, The Godfather Part Two, Gone with the Wind, or Lawrence of Arabia? I'm going to say Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind? The answer is... You're right, Gone with the Wind has been acclaimed as the longest Best Picture winner at almost 226 minutes. That would put it at 3 hours and 46 minutes. The second is Lawrence of Arabia at approximately 216, followed by Ben-Hur at 212, and The Godfather Part Two at an even 200. The longest movie to win an Oscar is Russia's War and Peace at 414 minutes. It won Best Foreign Language Film. War and Peace, by the way, came out in 68. Question number 13. Which movie is the first feature-length three-strip Technicolor film? Was it Becky Sharp, Gone with the Wind, The Trail of the Lonesome Pine, or The Wizard of Oz? The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz answer is actually Becky Sharp, which was in 1935, a dramatization of William Makepeace Thackeray's Vanity Fair is the first feature-length three-strip Technicolor film, the, the Trail of the Lonesome Pine, 1936, and Dancing Pirate, also 36, were the next ones to come along. Question number 14. In what famous British Ealing Studios black comedy does Alec Guinness play eight roles? Was it The Man in the White Suit in 51? Kind Hearts and Coronets from 49, The Lavender to Hill Mob from 1951, or The Lady Killers from 55? I want to say The Lady Killers from 55. Lady Killers, the answer is, it was Kind Hearts and Coronets. All eight characters, including one female, were members of the aristocratic Diascone family. The Duke, the Banker, the Parson, the General, the Admiral, Young Ascone, Young Henry and Lady Agatha. All eight characters in, in, in the line of succession to dukedom were directly or indirectly murdered by a ninth character, Louis Mazzini, that was played by Dennis Price. Question number 15. 
Who is the youngest performer to be nominated for Best Actress? Was it Ellen Page, Isabel Ajani, Keisha Castle-Hughes, or Marley Matlin? What movie was this? Who is the youngest performer to be nominated for Best Actress? Oh, Marley Matlin. Marley Matlin? The answer is... Actually, it was Keisha Castle-Hughes. Is the youngest person to be nominated as Best Actress for the movie Whale Rider, which was in 2003, was made in New Zealand when she was 13 years old. Hmm. Marley Matlin is the youngest person to actually win Best Actress when she was 21 years old for the movie Children of a Lesser God. It was the film's only win. Question number 16. Which male performer holds the record for the longest interval between Oscar nominations for acting? Was it Mickey Rooney, Henry Fonda, Jack Pounce, or Alan Arkin? Sorry, what was the question again? Which male performer holds the record for the longest interval between Oscar nominations for acting? Is it Mickey Rooney, Henry Fonda, Jack Palance, or Alan Arkin? Jack Palance. Jack Palance. Okay, the answer is actually Henry Fonda. First nominated in 1940 as Best Actor for The Grapes of Wrath in 1940, Henry Fonda wasn't nominated again for 41 years and then won his only Oscar for Best Actor for On Golden Pond from 1981. 41 years. Wow. Man. Question number 17. What is, the ti- what is the title of director William Wyler's 1961 remake of his earlier movie, These Three, from 1936? Was it, co- was it called The Children's Hour, Dead End, The Desperate Hours, or Friendly Persuasion? Friendly Persuasion. Persuasion? Actually, it was called The Children's Hour. Wilder remade his earlier film as The Children's Hour from 1961, starring Audrey Hepburn and Shirley MacLaine. Wilder's earlier 1936 film, an adaptation of Lillian Hellman's smash Broadway play, The Children's Hour, was severely rewritten and changed from the original play to satisfy the Hays Code censors due to its controversial subject matter. Question number 18. Who was the first American Bond girl in the famous series of 007 movies? Was it Denise Richards, Halle Berry, Jill St. John, or Terry Hatcher? Jill St. John. Jill St. John, the answer is... You're right. The first American Bond girl, Jill St. John, played the role of diamond smuggler Tiffany Case in Diamonds Are Forever from 1971. She explained to Bond that she was born on the first floor of Tiffany and Company in New York, hence her name and also interest in diamonds. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Question number 19. Who is the first female actress to win an Academy Award for playing a character of the opposite sex? Was it Gwyneth Paltrow, Hilary Swank, Julie Andrews, or Linda Hunt? Linda Hunt. Okay, Linda Hunt, the answer is, you're absolutely right. Linda Hunt was the first to win for the year of Living Dangerously in 1983. Hilary Swank's award-winning performance in Boys Don't Cry from 1999 was was for a character who was a preoperative, transsexual, biologically female. Billy Andrews in Victor Victoria from 1982 
played a woman dressed as a man impersonating a woman. And Gwyneth Paltrow's Oscar-winning character in Shakespeare in Love in 1998 was a woman dressed as a man. Question number 20. Who is the only actor to win three Oscars in the Best Supporting Actor category? Was it Henry Fonda, James Mason, James Stewart, or Walter Brennan? Walter Brennan. Walter Brennan. The answer is you're absolutely right. Walter Brennan. Fire, 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 fire. That's it. <laughs> I remember that. Walter Brennan was the first and only actor to win three Best Supporting Actor Oscars for his roles in Come and Get It in 1936, Kentucky 1938, and The Westerner from 1940. He was also the first to win three acting Oscars and the first Best Supporting Actor Oscar recipient. Believe it or not. Huh. And number 21, who was, who was the first actor to receive the Best Actor Oscar for a musical performance? Was it Elvis, James Cadney, Chris Christopherson, or Ewell Brenner? I'm going to say Jimmy Cadney. I'm going to say James Cadney. The answer is absolutely right. Not bad, J.D. James Cadney won a Best Actor Oscar for his musical performance in the role of George M. Cohen in Yankee Doodle Dandy from 1942. It marked his second of three Best Actor Career nominations and was his only Oscar win. Not bad, not bad at all, J.D., very good indeed. Which, which future superstar made his future debut in Wes Craven's horror film Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984? Was it Adam Sandler, Johnny Depp, Matt Dillon, or Philip Seymour Hoffman? Philip Seymour Hoffman. Did you ever see a Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, no, 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 wait a minute, no, 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 wait let me change my answer. Hold on. Tony okay. Depp. No, Tony Depp. You, want, you want to change it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, then what do you want to change it to? Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Okay. The answer is? Absolutely. Good call there. Absolutely. It was indeed Johnny Depp. Playing the role of Glenn Lance, Nancy's boyfriend, Johnny Depp starred in the infamous scene of a bloody geyser erupting from the middle of his bed after he was sucked into into it by the evil Fred Krueger, of course we all know him as Freddy Krueger. That was Johnny Depp. I did yeah. not know that. that was I didn't. Know. I didn't know that either. That's like thank you. I remember that. I remember that scene, but I mean that was the most gruesome thing I ever. Yeah. yeah. That's why. That's one reason why I never watched horror movies. I never liked it at all. Uh, question number twenty-three: What was the only silent movie to win Best Picture? Was it The Gold Rush from nineteen twenty-five? Metropolis from 1927, Nosferatu from 1922, or Wings from 1927-28? Wings from 27-28. Wings. The answer is, J.D., on a roll again. Not bad. Wings, that was, that's correct. Wings, which was an action war epic starring Clara Bow and a young Gary Cooper, was the only silent movie to win Best Picture, officially called Best Production at the time. It was also the only movie to win an Academy Award for Engineering Effects, a short-lived award category. And the final call here, neck and neck, J.D., on the correct and incorrect answer, but you got 11 of them right, so you did a fine job of that today, tonight here, J.D. Very good indeed. Very good indeed. On that note here, folks, J.D., anything else you wish to add, sir? 
No, be sure to check out uh, the debate. We should have a pretty good show for you tonight. Absolutely. Of course, coming up here in about uh, a little more than 20 minutes, of course, wrestling debate, uh, 139-925-pound. And, of course, I'll be back on with Revolution, where we'll, of course, talk SmackDown and other big-time topics uh, coming up here uh, in about an hour and a half. For the Iceman, J.D., Jared Girolamo, this is Mr. WWUS, Chad Hinchell, saying thank you very much for listening here tonight to episode 73 of Outside the Ropes, which is a broadcast of the WWS Radio Network right here on TalkShoe.com, where we are two years older and continuing to be bolder. The radio network continues to be and will forever remain your pop culture connection. J.D., we'll talk to you, at, we'll talk, we'll talk to you soon. Take care of everyone here. Take care of yourselves and each other. See you on the red carpet, of course. And as always, here in the WWS Radio Network, right here on TalkShoe.com, God bless everyone. Have a great evening. Good night, all.